Hey everybody, it is that time again where you listen to Evan and I blather about hockey. And, it's handsome season. And we're we're sorry about that, but you're the one that chose to listen to it, so this is kind of on you. We're going to make your mistake worthwhile. <laughs> Welcome to the Handsome Hockey Podcast. This is episode 58. As announced earlier, I am Jake and with me is... Evan! And you know what that sound means... It means we're going to talk about the Connecticut whale. Yeah, some things happened in the NHL this past week, but the most important thing in hockey that happened this week is the Connecticut whale won their first regular season title in the PHF. And they did it by spanking the hell out of <laughs> the team that was in second place. So this weekend was a, a huge weekend in the PHF. It was the, the the ultimate weekend of the regular season. The Whale and the Toronto Six faced off to effectively decide who would be the regular season champs. Means... Not a whole lot in terms of the Isabel Cup. Well, you get first, means everything in in terms of seating and mean yeah. yeah, and and in terms of momentum. If the NCAA basketball tournament has taught us anything, it's that first seeds almost always make it out of the first round. So the whale lost in overtime to a Michaela Grant Mentis overtime winner. I believe that's her sixth or seventh game winning goal of the season. Which yeah, is ridiculous, ridiculous. But then bounced back on sunday to win five nothing and that regulation win catapulted them ahead of the toronto six by one point to take the regular season title so real photo finish here this is churchill downs except with humans and not horses which are terrible creatures <laughs> they don't have to take goalies out and like euthanize them behind <laughs> walls of sheets or anything right oh katie burt got hurt well <laughs> uh-oh there also was the boston pride and the buffalo buttes played this weekend to uh and carly jackson had themselves a game yeah or weekend i should say uh in addition to a season in addition to a, a season in which they put in a herculean effort um they faced 504 shots on the season only in 20 games only the pride couldn't muster a win against the uh against the buttes this weekend that didn't really matter so much for the standings as they were kind of already decided but it's great for the buttes heading into the isabel cup here with two wins against the team that they will face in the preliminary round on friday night mm -hmm. so they've got some confidence carly jackson's playing out of her mind and that it's a really strong run in for them to into the playoffs and we'll see what happens there maybe this young team is kind of turning a corner and gelling at the right time and you never know what could happen when when you get a hot goaltender in a playoff run. It's intriguing. This first round series is going to be fun. It's winner take all hockey. Yeah, it, and one and done hockey. Which anything is, can happen. You have to show up. You have you know you can't you can't slough off for a game or two. Like you you got to show up awake and ready to play. Before we get to our Isabel Cup primer, I do want to say we had a nice discussion about 
the MVP race mm-hmm. for the PHF last last episode. And in that episode, we kind of determined that it was probably m- going to be Michaela Grant Mentis who took away the MVP. Um, this weekend changed that. <laughs> and I think it's probably going to be Kennedy Marchment. Our ombudsman uh, called down from the office and said, uh, we're going to need to review that take in greater detail. And actually, we're going to reverse it a whole week later. Uh, looking at you, NCAA women's hockey. Um, but uh, yeah, the so Kennedy Marchment finished the season. She recorded a point in eight straight games. She had two goals on Saturday in a losing effort and then four assists on Sunday broke the whale record for goals and assists and points in a season and leads now leads the league in points is second in goals and is third in assists. That's your MVP right there. Hard to argue against that. It will, you know, end up being a probably a difficult decision for whomever has to, uh, has to make that sort of decision. But with Katie Burt and Elaine Chuli kind of, you know, canceling each other out on the, the, the goalie front, I think it really kind of comes down to Michaela Grant Mentis and Kennedy Marchment. And I think this last weekend kind of solidified Kennedy Marchment as your MVP. We'll see when the awards are announced, but, um, yeah, it's real good. Kennedy Marchman just announcing to the world this year, hey, I'm here and uh, I'm better than you. <laughs> I'm really fucking good at hockey. Uh, that whole me dominating in Sweden thing. Yeah, I do that <laughs> over here too. Yeah. Um, as we said earlier, the Isabel Cup starts this weekend in Tampa, Florida. Rumor has it that the uh, winner gets to ride Pat Maroon's jet ski. Collection of jet skis. He's got one for each player. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So Friday night, uh, March 25th, will be the preliminary games. uh, And that will be Boston versus Buffalo and Metropolitan versus Minnesota. Apparently, if your team, the city, your team name doesn't start with the same letter as another team, <laughs> you advance straight to the semifinals. Yeah, this was uh, determined before the season. It's alliteration or bye. <laughs> uh, and this, these are all on ESPN Plus? Yes, they will all be on ESPN Plus. Um, the semifinals are going to be Sunday, and then the final will be on Monday, where um, if you've been following along with me, uh, the whale will win and uh, <laughs> I will probably squeal at some point that day. Yeah. It's always hard to count out Boston. I mean, they're going to, you know, have a pretty easy first round game and against uh, the team they lost to twice this last weekend. So yeah, it, maybe easy's wrong, but I don't know if Boston doesn't make it out of the first round, that will be, a uh, massive failure for a yeah a failure uh, also a good sign for the league like yeah. to have some measure of parity after boston has you know really dominated the last couple of years mm-hmm. would be interesting i mean it has been really interesting to watch uh buffalo come on and toronto come on and and uh especially to watch 
the whale like kick ass this year in the ascendancy they lead the right. league in goals everybody fewest goals against best goal differential yeah when you go from like the end of your origin story movie to then like your sort of ascendancy movie in the uh in any sort of superhero context like those are always the most interesting ones this so, is return of the king mm, all right so bring it on i guess yeah uh apparently they're gonna have to like travel in and get this like skeletal army to come and <laughs> save the day but hey you know what that's what kings do and in this case that's what the whale are going to do i'm so excited to rock my i wore it the other day so i'm going to wear it again it's dirty i don't give a shit uh <laughs> it means that the uh, the juju juice is still rocking in it yes i'm gonna rock that pod shirt all day on monday and not pay attention at work and just watch that game. Yeah, I'm going to root for Minnesota as I have been traditionally, but it doesn't sound like maybe their odds this year are where I would love them to be. Outside of Ali Funstrom, they can't score goals. Uh, yeah. Amanda Levier has had an incredible season. Right, she does such just, a good job. They just can't uh, score. Loon uh, pads have, have proven to be a little bit of a regression from the previous fish pads she had, but she's still dominant back there. Just doesn't seem to be getting the help that we've seen in the past couple of seasons. Amanda Levier is third in goals against average, uh, second in save percentage, and only has four wins. That is all the way up on the UFO meter. So watch the PHF this weekend. It's on ESPN Plus. We all know you have it because you all got the NHL package. Uh, and if you don't, what the hell's wrong with you? Why are you listening to a hockey podcast if you're not watching <laughs> hockey? Uh, but there's going to be some really killer women's hockey this weekend. Check it out. Uh, hopefully uh, ESPN does a, a good job of uh, not only marketing it, but producing it. And so it looks good. And it's going to be down in Tampa. It's going to. So there sh it should be a fun time. We're going to be watching, you know, we might be shit posting. We'll see how, what happens. Yeah. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed at handsome hockey. Probably both of us will be commandeering it at some point. Depends and, how much we drink. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> so yes, both of us will be commandeering it at some point and we're just going to shit post and I'm going to just love on the whale fins up. Let's go pod. Let's do it. Let's yeah. I, I, it I love done. how our Twitter handle is sort of like a car that has the wheel like equidistant between the two front seats. And we're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The only difference is uh, you have your own Twitter and I don't. Oh, and yeah, so yeah. like I'll post something and then I see like a, a like pop up and I'm like, Ooh, who oh, it was Evan. And then like, <laughs> and like, and then I'm you'll glad. see a bunch of posts randomly one week and then you'd be like, Oh, Evan got Twitter jail <laughs> again. Speaking of jail, there are going to be some NCAA officials that are going to be in the doghouse pretty soon. We're going to switch over to boy hockey now, but boy, did we have a controversy in the NCAA lead up to the Frozen Four. I don't even know how to best go about explaining what the fuck happened, but Minnesota State thought for the longest time that they had won. They had, uh, they started celebrating. They had their picture taken with their respective conference cup. And then after almost an hour, they had to start playing hockey again as people realized that the goal that they had scored was not actually a real goal. So 
40 minutes after the end of the game, the officials and the league determined that the goal that they thought they had scored had gone under the skirt and into the net barely. And their entire like replay review process failed spectacularly. And, uh, this team that thought they had won that's like baseball where there's a rain delay and you are like yeah fuck it we'll throw the original starter out there and he gets shelled for like 15 runs because his arm is cold and like is isn't in the mindset to do this anymore yeah so they had to come back and play 17 minutes of overtime and this was to win the Mason Cup for the CCHA and send either team to the Frozen 4 in college hockey this was a pivotal game and to have the officials and league just completely mismanage the process of determining what was or was not a goal is a huge black eye for college hockey and the CCHA. And like, I I just feel bad. Like they just, they just all fucked up at once. Like there didn't seem to be one particular person who did something wrong. It was just like, oh, uh, well, everything failed. So after playing another 17 minutes of overtime, after sitting in their pads for an hour, maybe even like getting fully dressed, undressed, showered. I feel like this was like putting on wet pads in a tournament scenario. Like nobody likes putting on wet pads. So Minnesota State did end up winning much later than they thought and thus propelled themselves to a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And that said, they went through this painful process to get the decision right. The goal that they disallowed was clearly not a goal. The goalie plays to try and make a save, knocks the net up off its mooring, and the puck clearly goes to the outside of the pylon and underneath the skirt. Like... This sucks, but they got it right. And that, I mean, I think that's sort of how the story goes, right? It's like the right decision often in the moment is more painful to make and and you have to like eat more crow to get there, but it pays off in the end. And I mean, if they hadn't done this, everybody would be looking at this Minnesota state goal with even more magnification and, talking about how Bemidji state was robbed and Minnesota state went to the final frozen four on, on this bullshit goal. And like, okay, they, they eventually got it right. Uh, hopefully they've learned something in the process about how to get it right in a better fashion in the future. Pay attention. That's that's (laughs) That's what my professors always said to me. Mine just wondered where I was. Also in hockey, Ovechkin passed Yager for third all time. If you've been paying attention. And uh, Yager immediately quipped on the social media that Ovechkin better watches back because he still has not retired and could come back at any time. (laughs) As we stated last episode, Yager is a wonderful human and this just proves it further. I mean, he's probably like one drunken phone call away from an nhl contract like let's at any point yeah and then in the worst publicized outdoor game of all time yeah it it was like it was like bill wirtz of two dollar bill not playing the blackhawks and local tv fame uh advertised this game yeah they they didn't promote it 
at all, especially after last year when they promoted the hell out of the Tahoe games, only for them to just fall flat on their face. The they have Toronto and Buffalo playing outside in Hamilton, Ontario. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe that was it. They were just like, Ugh, Hamilton is an SEO nightmare. We can never compete with the musical. We're not even going to try and publicize this. <laughs> or they could have combined forces. They could have said, yeah, not going to miss my shot. Like, <laughs> you know, just ad nauseum. Well, uh, Austin Matthews didn't miss his shot. Mm. Um, unfortunately, <sighs> Unfortunately, his shot was a cross check to the neck of <laughs> Rasmus Dahlin. Um, he did. I mean, he did score, and Rasmus Dahlin was uh, also committing some penalties in yes in that vicinity. But yeah, Austin Matthews cross checked the living shit out of his head. Yes, and uh, promptly received a two game suspension, which honestly was a little shocking. Yeah, that uh, Austin Matthews, the leader in goals uh, in the NHL, was suspended for two games. But also good. Re- yes, absolutely <laughs> like, refreshing. Uh, like after seeing so many bad calls over the last month and change. I mean, we didn't do a refs behaving badly segment, but we probably could have because. Toronto is frustrated with referees and rightly so, but, uh, cross-checking beautiful baby Rasmus Dahlin's head is not how you express several games worth of referee anger. Yes. And so, uh, he was suspended for two games during those two games. How many points did Michael Bunting have? Uh, fucking zero. One dollar. Fucking zero. Wow. I would have been the over. Yeah. And lost. Uh, I'm going to, can you guess zero? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, I think that's, uh, I think if you guess that, like the world explodes or yeah. something. Um, um, Michael Bunting and who his, is his not- Calder trophy just went up in flames when, <laughs> when Austin Matthews got suspended. Yes. Uh, proving that he's, uh, only a product of his incredibly talented line mates i mean he's the good michael bunting but that only gets you so far eventually uh, he's got to go see about a girl so <laughs> line up for trade palooza this year we have main stage side stages lower stage and people who just showed up and played in the parking lot yes and to, absolutely with like their significant others throwing confetti <laughs> on the main stage obviously we got claude Giroux. He went from Philly to Florida for two future first-round draft picks because Florida had already spent a first-rounder on the most inflated contract and and exchange of the the trade deadline, which is Ben Chirot. It's amazing that Montreal just inflated this guy's value so hard like a fucking meme stock like in reddit they were just on reddit pumping fucking bencherat all year and then eventually somebody bit for a first round draft pick for a fundamentally awful defenseman that takes a ton of penalties it's claude Giroux, german rub rupstoff connor bunneman and a 2024 <laughs> i am sorry if i biffed your names and a 2024 fifth round pick for owen tippett so a very high prospect from probably florida's number one prospect just the tippet uh a 2023 third round pick and a 2024 first round pick which is insane it's insane that drew was dealt for navi not even a first round pick this year like 
two future first round draft picks. Like it, it, you're he, drafting someone in middle school right now. It's a good trade for the Panthers. And it's I, a good trade for Philly too. They're going to get two first round draft picks. I mean, they probably no, are going to be lower. It's one. it's one first rounder and a third rounder. Oh, sorry. Yeah. First and a third. It's a very low value for a player of Claude Giroux's caliber, uh, but he is on an expiring deal. He will have to be resigned. He's a pure rental. Could Florida resign him? Maybe. I don't know. Their cap situation is a little dicey, but so is everybody else in the NHL. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. People cap still situ- keep getting signed. So whatever. Cap acrobatics at this point in the year are just amazing. It's like Catherine Zeta Jones going through the lasers in entrapment, <laughs> watching the GM just being like, "Ooh, I'm going to bend over in this way and contort this way and bring on these contracts and send these contracts. And like, uh, it, it's kind of amazing. Somewhere Sean Connery rest in peace is like, you're playing both sides. <laughs> uh, <laughs> other big deals. Uh, Hampus Lynn home to boston which i think honestly was a very solid uh deal for boston they did give her up a lot for him but they also immediately signed him to an eight-year deal we can talk about whether or not that eight-year deal is wise for a 28 year old player eh, but it's not the worst i mean it, you know he's probably got not great he's probably got six more years of serviceability Maybe. he's Got a pretty decent pedigree. He's first round pick. He's, you know, it, he's been good on bad teams. He's been okay to good on bad teams. Right. And that's the thing is on Boston, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. Their defensemen are performing incre- well. yeah. I- incredibly this year, it, it, far above how anybody expected them to play. And I mean, the kind of bugaboo is okay, Brandon Carlo has a tendency to disappear when it comes to the playoffs, mostly because he gets headshotted by some random dude. But uh, Name Tom Wilson. Yeah, like, he, they didn't need him, but it's still a relatively smart move, I think. And they're going to keep him. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a good trade. Uh, a first and two seconds, not chump change. Um, no. Plus, John Moore and uh, that... I. Yurho Vakanainen. That's a lot. I'm sorry. I think that was actually a, a decent try. Other big picks, uh, big trades. Uh, Brandon Hagel and two fourth round picks for two roster players from Tampa Bay, Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. And one of which is good. Radish yeah, is good. Rad- Radish is very solid. Kachuk is like, he looks like you sneezed and wrote it out. He's, he's there. Kachuk. But two first round picks both of which are top 10 protected but Mm -hmm. that's a massive haul for For brandon Brandon hagel who who is a fine hockey player but i think i mean he he was like a late round pick or a udfa and they and he's shooting at like a 20 percent rate right now so like yeah good job uh, for kyle davidson getting good value for brandon hagel Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell. Uh, Seattle just kind of reset their entire roster. They're like, you know what we did? We fucked up that <laughs> expansion draft. So we're going to get rid of all this and build our prospect pool. Yeah. Seattle is sort of like a general store that got a bunch of stuff that 
maybe wanted uh and then sold whatever they could of it and and then like now they can bring in better stuff i don't know everybody like every once in a while somebody stops by and goes oh i was really looking for some stale graham crackers perfect (laughs) uh but you know hey somebody's gonna buy those stale graham crackers or a 38 year old former norris trophy winner But they did, Seattle did a really good job of stockpiling draft picks. A ton of draft picks. They have 30 over the next three years as of now. Uh, and they're going to get more. They're not done here. Yeah. Oh, those fire sale shall continue yeah. when they can sell more. But uh, if Vegas is any indication, Seattle could be winning by now. And yeah. uh, oh, instead, bet. they are kind of starting out again next year where they started out this year. It, with bad. a bunch of yeah bad with a bunch of unproven people uh looking for some chemistry and like trying to find out an identity they look like they might have been flirting with something concrete in the middle of the year and then that kind of evaporated but yeah the consequences of their poor expansion draft are coming home to roost right now they're definitely in on the the number one pick sweepstakes yeah uh, uh, shane wright could be a kraken yeah, yeah especially could, with arizona and montreal going on heaters like right. <laughs> like seattle's just like yes yes <laughs> yes yeah and I mean, they if, went and beat detroit the other night so if seattle gets shane right like a lot of bad moves by that gm are going to get excused shane Wright and maddie bernier's is not a bad start to building a franchise not at all not at all other big interesting picks we saw sent uh Marc-Andre Fleury from Chicago to Minnesota for a conditional second round pick that becomes a first round pick. If Fleury gets, uh, they have to make it four wins in the playoffs and then they have to make it to the conference championship compared to last year. This was kind of like, it wasn't like a big frills sort of trade deadline, but I think for the most part, like teams, paid relatively good prices Mm -hmm. there were some overpays some trades where you're like they got him for that wow um but you know overall i i honestly i thought it was a fairly solid trade deadline i would yeah solid to above average like it was billed as maybe being something more and it didn't really become that like we saw a couple couple nice trades couple big names change hands but you know at the end well, Jack Eichel already got traded. So <laughs> right. like, at the end, we didn't see any true surprises. Yeah. You know, everything that played at Tradeapalooza was billed. Every year on the trade deadline, there's some trades that happen and you go, wait, why did that need to happen? <laughs> why did you make this person move? Like, yeah. This poor guy why? needs like, to rent a new apartment yeah, in their a different girlfriend city. had an orange theory studio that they were going to They owned their house they had their own fucking coffee house that they loved they walked <laughs> to with their pit bull mix they like, every had morning nine cappuccinos on the 10 cappuccino get one free card and they'll never go back to iowa city iowa again <laughs> uh so we're gonna call these the mr irrelevant trades um Mine is Antoine Moran to the Sharks for Alexi Mel- Melnichuk, who goes to Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay is acquiring this player. I'm sure they're good. Yeah, the, the future 30 goal scorer, Alexi Melnichuk. On a line with Brent Seabrook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
my favorite Mr. Irrelevant trade would be uh, Ottawa Senators acquire goaltender Michael McNiven. He's next in the sequence of uh, McIver, McGruber, and now McNiven. Oh, okay. So he's going to have a movie deal soon. Yeah. Good for him. And he's going to do things like take paper clips and gum and turn them into bombs. He was traded from the Calgary Flames, who I didn't know that they had other goalies, uh, for our favorite player, favorite player, Future Considerations. Uh, Future Considerations is probably the most underrated player in NHL history, and I'm I'm excited that he's getting a fresh start. Yeah, he won the trade deadline this year. We'll get to that later, but uh, I don't know, a couple other trades that we, we liked or didn't like. Um, I thought the Penguins acquiring Richard Raquel from Anaheim in exchange for Zach Austin Reese, Dominic Simone, the rights to some goaltender named Callie Klang, which is a great name for a goaltender. Yeah. <laughs> like that seems your posts are your best friends, right? I was like, <laughs> what does that imply? <laughs> your posts, uh, and a second rounder. Um, that's. A, a solid haul for Anaheim for Richard Raquel and B, a good price for someone that already looks good on that second line. This is going to be our quick shitty recap and then we'll get into the handsome hockey version of (laughs) a recap. Honestly, like winners of the trade deadline, uh, Anaheim, uh, Pat Verbeek's first trade deadline as a GM. He did real well. The original angry little elf. The Little Ball of Hate, uh, <laughs> which is still the best nickname in hockey history. I mean, if him and Connor Garland like don't speak on the phone, I'll be sad. <laughs> uh, Anaheim traded out Hampus Lindholm, traded out Ricardo Kell, uh, Nick DeLaurier, Josh uh, Manson, Josh Manson, and got a haul of draft picks right. and prospects back. Um, Zach Aston Reese is a very solid hockey player. He's and he's young. He's going to help that team in the future. There's yeah, the rebuild has started in earnest. The rebuild that their previous GM, whose name we shall not name, <laughs> uh, uh, he's Voldemort eff- effectively, uh, was not willing to do. And Pat mm-hmm. Verbeek came in and was like, nah, fuck it, bur- burn it down. Right. We're going to fire sale and also, you know, add to our young core. I mean, maybe one of the most consequential trades that Anaheim had is one that won't happen, but we'll get to that later. Uh, The Rangers also had an awesome trade deadline. Like, they got... Frank Vitrano. Frankie V. Andrew Kopp. A good player from... Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott Girl Summer. They're basically reuniting as many Michigan Wolverines on the team. Like, they just showed up and Jacob Trubo was like, hey, boys, what's up? Yeah. In college, Michigan had the CCM line, and Mm -hmm. it was Kyle Connor, Andrew Kopp, and Tyler Mott. So, Kyle or Andrew Kopp went from playing with Kyle Connor to playing with Andrew in Winnipeg (laughs) to being traded at the same time, effectively, with to reunite with Tyler Mott in New York. And Mm -hmm. so, like he's just like hanging out with his boys and Jacob Troop is there. They're just like, Hey, it's a party at the Wolverine palace. <laughs> That's what we're renaming Madison square garden. Uh, so I think those are both real savvy pickups. Uh, Tyler Mott is like a less skilled, but better defensive, uh, Barkley Goodrow. Mm-hmm. 
I have a feeling that he's going to be a really great playoff player. Yeah, I mean, they got deeper. They got you know, sure. a little bit more talent. Um, they're going to have some players depart, and so they have options to re-sign next year. Uh, Andrew, but Cop- they also got it everything on like really cheaply. The, yeah. They didn't make a splash trade, but they got it seemed like the second or third players available in a lot of the positions. Yeah, Andrew Cop might have been a little bit of an overpay, but like that's fine. Like, yeah, he's also like a real NHL player, and. It's- and- well, let's. I'll put it this way: real, Andrew, a legit top liner. Andrew Cop costs more than Devon Taves. So, and who yeah. would you rather have? Andrew Cop is an is an excellent NHL player. He right. can play first line to fourth line. He can you can plug him anywhere in your lineup, and he is effective. Sure, it's an excellent pickup. But he still costs less than Devon Taves, who is like fourth in uh, scoring. For yeah, amongst I the mean, you know. Here. A so, foundational defenseman is always going to be worth more than one of a like, forward that can play anywhere. One of like three foundational defensemen on Colorado's lineup. So the Rangers, the Wild, the Wild are super hamstrung because their cap hit sucks next year when yeah. the Parise and Suter deals uh, kick back in. So they are in like real desperation windmill mode. Yeah, they're in dire straits. So the trade for Marc-Andre Fleury is an excellent trade. He's a Vesna winner, three I think three cups, three-time cup winner, something like that. Yeah, uh one of the best goaltenders of all time and now he's in your net wearing his Blackhawks gear with a Minnesota jersey on. Which awkwardly fits. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, works. Uh, uh, like that little it, bit of red. It was like, "Oh, all right. Wow." Yeah, that, it kind of worked. Uh, his pads would have absolutely worked with Minnesota's outdoor game jerseys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's like the same color. Yeah. Uh, they traded for Tyson Jost, uh, who was kind of mishandled in mm-hmm. Colorado, or maybe not mishandled, but just like... Yeah. Uh, he He's a good player who was behind a ton of really good players, and so maybe he'll get a better chance in Minnesota. Maybe they sent Marco Sturm for him. Yeah. Uh, like, okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, it, it was a good, it was a good, uh, a good, good play for them. In sort of trade purgatory, uh, I've put a lot of teams that we can kind of debate and, a lot of these are the big swingers, some of which made some hits and misses, some of which sold a lot to be seen later. Uh, but first, what do you think of Colorado? They didn't have to do much. You're I right. Mean, this team asking, is already stacked. Yeah. What like what did they need? Uh, they got a little bit tougher on the back end with Josh Manson. Mm-hmm. They brought in Nico Sturm, who is... You know, he's going to be their fourth line center sure. and effectively like a one for one trade for Tyson Jost. Um, you know, I, I they didn't do anything of merit or of note, but they didn't have to. Like right. they weren't flashy, didn't need to be yeah. flashy. Well, yeah. Why fuck with the chemistry if it's working? Right. Like, I, I think they're OK. They they re-signed Pavel Francouz earlier in the season to an uh, to an extension so like they didn't have to worry about backup goaltender like what do you need if you're that team you just really you just need gabe landeskog to come back healthy like that's what you need and but they were linked to so many you know legendary players whether it was Giroux or patrick kane or some uh, so many talented players 
did not go there. And it's interesting to see their kind of standing pat as a really good team as almost like, I don't know, maybe they'll regret it when the time comes. They maybe could have used some goaltending help. They maybe could have used, uh, I don't know. The truth be told is if they win the Stanley Cup that they've been threatening to win for the last three years or not. Yeah. Historically speaking, the data shows that these deadline deal trades rarely pan out out or make the difference. So maybe that's Joe Sackick's calculation here is, you know, historically this shit doesn't matter so let's stay pat with what we have we have the best team in the nhl Mm -hmm. uh let's just go with it uh the next controversial team would be florida they bought huge they sold off some quite talented young players and a bevy of draft picks they will not have a first round draft pick of their own until 2025 um but if you win a cup if you win a cup, it's totally worth it. Sure, but I mean, are those You're is that a percentages. Stanley is that a Stanley Cup winning goaltending tandem that you have right now in Bobrovsky uh, and Spencer Knight? Bobrovsky's that, been very good this year. Sure, um, um, and their defense is good, uh, and their forwards are great. Their you, forward depth is unreal. But then there's that bench rot trade. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. And I mean, they are taking a gamble. Ben, you know, maybe they're thinking Ben Sherratt's going to be the player he was in the playoffs last year, the player he's more or less been since Montreal brought in a new coach. Like it's, it's a, gamble. a gamble. Yeah. Uh, you know, jinxies, right. The, the J freshes of the world have him at like a 0% wins added over replacement, which does seem a little bit extreme on the low end, but the stats guys are, really low on this dude so i don't know it's really interesting to see him go to tan uh, uh, sorry him go to florida when they're trying to you know do all these things and they really jeopardized an important pick for him so uh, that's what kept them out of the winner's circle in my eyes uh if, if that pick had been for like hampus or Justin Braun, I think I probably would have put him in the win. But uh, I don't know. I guess we're going to see what Ben Gerard is in the playoffs. The losers. I, I don't know. Or maybe many. First of which being Evgeny Dadunov. Yeah, this poor bastard. He was first last year traded from Ottawa to Vegas. And win! What's that? That's a win. And it was at the time... A bunch of people going, wait, why did Vegas make that trade? And then uh, he was traded to Anaheim. Uh, and then it gets murky. So supposedly he had a no movement clause oh, and he, hadn't. He had turned, he Well, no, yeah, right. So every year you have to turn in this no trade clause paperwork mm-hmm. and the operating theory was that Evgeny Dadanov Dadanov had not turned that in, and therefore his no trade clause was moot, and they could trade him to whoever the fuck they wanted. But it turns out his agent wasn't the one that fucked up, and in fact did turn in his ten team no trade clause, uh, which Anaheim is on. 
on time. Yeah, it, it, on which the team that he was traded to is on. Which, like, okay, if he doesn't end up getting actually moved to Anaheim, it sucks for him. Yeah, because, like, real bad. This Anaheim team is one you want to be on, and uh, Southern California Except, well, I he hear doesn't. is nice. Um, well, I mean, okay, I can see at the beginning of the year saying, I don't want to play on Anaheim. And then by the end, seeing fucking Trevor Zegris do all sorts of crazy shit and Drysdale sitting there as a featured one D and like, uh, maybe. And, and like, uh, yeah, but at the same time, if, if Genny Dadnov wanted to be in Anaheim, he wouldn't be fighting this. Well, the rumor has it is that he doesn't want, california's income tax whereas vegas you pay nothing yeah which, <laughs> and, and he's making like five million a year so i would as well uh so this makes the other the bigger loser though um vegas yeah who is now not cap compliant which is hilarious this trade goes through yeah because they brought up alec martinez from injury while stashing uh mark stone on ltir bringing up jack eichel like uh, they're in cap trouble now. <laughs> and, oh yeah, the other angle of the Dadnoff thing is, is it sounds like the originator of the problem as the originator of most of the problems in the NHL is Ottawa. <laughs> uh, they apparently did not send his no trade clause language. Like, I don't know how this happens if it's by carrier pigeon or whatnot. Like maybe that carrier pigeon just died. Uh, let's hope fuck pigeons, <laughs> but they somehow Vegas did not know and didn't check cat friendly to find out that their player had a no movement clause. Like the NHL, man, they also did not weigh in and say, uh, actually this player has a no movement clause. Other losers. I mean, Toronto, they got Mark Giordano, which is yeah, good. But it'll help them, but that's also like a, you needed goaltending help. There was a goaltender. You did not get him. And also, the goaltender you tried to get got picked up off of waivers by the fucking Coyotes. Yeah, and that was the other thing. Sorry, bud. Toronto waived Peter Morazic, thinking they had Hari Sateri, who they gave a contract to and Arizona was like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> Yours is you mine's got, now. You got Austin Matthews. Fuck you. <laughs> That's what this is. It's a big middle finger about the Austin Matthews thing. Toronto's just riding out the, uh, the goalie train for the rest of the year, hoping that when Jack Campbell comes back from injury, he's Jack Campbell of October, November, December, and not Jack Campbell <laughs> of probably injured january february and early march and jack campbell of literally the rest of the season until this point yeah uh, he, who has been not good he's been not good i think there's a real good chance that he's hurt but or well he obviously was hurt but that he was playing hurt for quite some time other losers were on the sort of like stan pat train so edmonton 
didn't really do much of anything. They are run by Ken Holland. Uh, yeah. Highest price, uh, highest paid GM in hockey. They did their trading in the summer and got themselves one hot Duncan Keith. And uh, they uh, yeah. managed to uh, one hot steaming pile of Duncan Keith. Uh, they managed to not get rid of Josh Archibald, which was supposed to be like on the forefront of their business. And it turns right. out nobody wanted the anti-vax dude. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. And, and also did not buy a goalie when they desperately need a goalie because their goalies are old and broken. It's going to be uh, a real funny not make the playoffs or first round exit in Edmonton. Once I mean, again. it's going to be a Justin Trudeau goes in with fucking the Canadian SEAL Team 6 and extradites Connor McDavid from that team at some point because it's a national embarrassment. And finally, uh, the Islanders re-signed Zach Parise. Yeah, why? Why? I don't understand. Why? And uh, and they had pieces to sell in Cal Clutterbuck and Zdeno Chara that somebody would have bought for something. Maybe. And you got nothing? And uh, these guys are still on your team and still bad? Like, uh, come on. Well, Come on, New York Islanders. I will say this. The Islanders have been much better as of late, and they right. had so many games in hand that maybe they're like, yeah, we can do this. Is they, Lou Lamorello really talking himself into fucking making the playoffs at this point? I doubt that. He's been playing Kiefer Bellows. Kiefer Kellos. Uh, you know, on like first line minutes almost. So uh, f- that was a super surprise to see the Islanders just like, sit by and they just sat it out uh you know they're currently 17 points out of the playoffs but hey they've got like three games in hand so you know i mean sure they've got good players i'll hand them that but that team is not good and this year they've been especially not good so why would you not sell something and help regroup for next year and beyond uh do not understand free matt barzal Hashtag free Matt Barzal. God, that beautiful boy. We said we wanted to put a handsome hockey spin on the trade deadline instead of just reciting facts and nuances and things we've, we're regurgitating from Twitter and our own personal takes from, you know, which are based off of no real skill in prognostication whatsoever. <laughs> uh, we wanted to uh, compare a couple of NHL team dread- deadlines to real life events events that could you know like just kind of hit you at a moment in your life and the the parallel between what this moment is kind of like the trade deadline that this NHL team had we are humanists yeah, after we're, all we're he we are here to capture just that bold essence of life and somehow change it into hockeyness. Uh, so, for example, the Winnipeg Jets. You wake up hungover around 11.30 a.m. only to realize you have a 10-page essay due at 1. You open your computer, and it shows that you tried starting this essay the night before, and it's mostly unintelligible, but you don't have time to start with something else, so you have to keep it. Uh, you mostly crank out the rest of it, vaguely tying it together with a lavish conclusion that is like somehow actually relatively coherent it doesn't match the rest of your paper whatsoever but it's a coherent conclusion and damn it this is undergrad so nobody cares (laughs) uh 
you somehow misspelled Shakespeare as Shakespeare multiple <laughs> times uh, because you're hungover and you're hungry and like I mean what's on your mind more than like a big greasy piece of meat that will maybe help cure that hangover um, and you failed the paper but overall you're just kind of impressed that you got it done at all uh, that's the Winnipeg Jets in a nutshell uh, pretty hit or miss on their trade deadline got a good return for Andrew Kopp but pulled in some players that you're like why the hell are they trading for this person is that the lavish conclusion yeah yeah that um well no the lavish conclusion it's that you failed but you're pretty impressed you tried no i the andrew cop yeah andrew cop is the lavish lavish conclusion yeah because that i mean that was that was a solid trade but yeah i like it this also feels like a little bit of a, a like personal experience uh mixed in here <laughs> maybe several dozen times yeah i mean shakespeare sounds like a a very uh violent place to like go eat it's an english chain restaurant that's trying to capture american uh food models. yeah is it is it like medieval times meets the globe theater <laughs> meets steak, steak and shake yeah so in mine you are the chicago blackhawks You've recently gotten out of prison and you're on probation. Uh, Since you live in the hellhole that is capitalist America, uh, if you do not work under the conditions of your probation, you will go back to prison. So you're overweight, diabetic, but you have a job. You just barely have a job at a foundry getting pucks in deep. And, uh, you have a junker car you bought for cash from a guy who may or may not have used it for a murder. Like you may or might've heard this for through a friend and it is in shit repair. Like it gets you to work like half the time, but like just fucking barely, uh, you've pushed it to gas stations and into work more than a handful of times while it's in the shop wasting your hard-earned cash that you're using on basic expenses day in and day out to just stay out of prison because like recidivism is yeah it is a huge thing you know you find out that it's actually kind of a rare bird that it's a sports model in its day and it's it's a rare car with this particular configuration and so you just happen to stumble upon a car enthusiast, a friend of the mechanic who's really interested in this car and he wants to get this specific strange car from you. You you're, you're a sucker not to like go for the deal. So you meet him and he offers to buy the car from you at this you know great premium, but you're not going to have a car. You're not going to be able to get to work. Like you're going to have to completely retool your life. You're never going to be able to buy a car with your current budget. You just, you have no choice but to sell this car and to use it for money for other expenses. And you sell the car to him. You decide to get really interested in bicycling and you start to watch tour de France highlights. You learn strange European names like Bjarne Reese, Bernard, Hino, Jan Ulrich, Miguel Indurain. Like you, you start to really get into cycling. You develop a distaste for fixed gear riders. You consider drafting behind cars. Uh, and you meet and you sell the car to this enthusiast for a, a great price. Um, 
but you notice that they're grinning ear to ear because they're going to take this car and, and sell it after a flip for a huge profit. You can't really afford to care. You take your proceeds and you go and buy yourself a pretty nice bike. You know, you get like kind of a racing bike, skinny tires, nice profile. Uh, it might even be carbon fiber. And you get helmet, lights, some other gear, and you take it on a nice bike path that, and it sucks. You hate it. It's awful. It feels absolutely abhorrent. Every muscle in your body is screaming. But you sold your car. And this is how you're getting to work now. You feel like shit. You hate it. But your only choice is to get better at bicycling. Because this is your life now. Or the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> you know, big things were expected of you. Your mother is a neurosurgeon. Your father is a trial lawyer. But you really hate the concept of wearing suits and capitalism. And you're grossed out by blood. And so you spent most of your time at college studying Mesoamerican culture. And you wrote your master's thesis on Atahualpa and a theoretical Incan empire that thrives without Spanish, Spanish, inter, Spanish interference <laughs> that thrives without Spanish interference. Did Portland invade around 35. You start an alt rock band with a couple of friends, despite being older than most alt rock guys, mm. you, you, you know what you, you give it a shot. And one of your songs is featured on an episode of how I met your father, the hilarious sequel to how I met your mother. And this catapults you to a brief stardom. Instead of just living in that limelight for a little bit, you capitalize on that stardom by recording an, a fucking banger anthem of an album. That album, like the themes are your life growing up in the shadow of your parents, but it also ties into your college studies and your, you know, your life growing up at Tempe in Tempe, but like also the life of Atahualpa who you spent so much time studying. The album features both radio-friendly singles that get tons of airplay, but also these deep cuts that audiophiles digest for three fucking hours on a podcast talking about the nuances of your guitar signature and like all that audiophile stuff that like most people listening to music want people to shut the fuck up about, but there's a niche, and out there those people think they're the best. Anyway, your album is fucking loved by those people. And because of this, you tour the world. You and your band of friends, whom is now a band of like 12. It's like you and your two buddies who started the band and all of the backing musicians. There's like one fucking person who plays a triangle and nothing else. Mm -hmm. But they're getting paid like 30k a show. And you headline the Scala Theater in London. You fly your parents out, who are in their own right very accomplished. And... You know, have been distant because you, you know, you didn't really follow the mold that they thought you would. But in seeing the success and not only the success, but also like the reception of you just like pouring your heart and soul into this album and your musical career, they've come to understand you more. They've come to really just like realize the type of person that you are and how you may not be like them. But you've found your niche in this world. And in that niche, you have risen to the top. And they sit 
in the front row of the balcony. They're not front row people, but they'll sit in the front row of a balcony, uh, avoid the crush of the screaming fangirls. And at one point during an epic guitar solo, you look up and your father has his hand on his heart and his other hand grasping your mother's and your mother is crying. And these are not tears of sorrow, but they're tears of joy, not only over your virtuoso performance, but your vulnerability and realizing that, you know what, you're a late bloomer, but you found your niche, you found your role. And in five to seven years, when this bevy of draft picks comes to fruition, that'll be the Arizona Coyotes. They'll be in Houston then. <laughs> but Nick Schmaltz but will be Nick Schmaltz. Nick Schmaltz, will be a, Nick Schmaltz will be a 30-year-old, 35-goal scorer Just for the Houston Arrows. Prodigious. All right. Well, I thank you for uh, bringing that back there from my uh, darkness you know, that that was some really, really quality pros. Uh, di- diabetes is no joking matter. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we need lower the price of insulin. That's all I'll say. We've got two last little bits here. Yeah, after, I'm going to talk. I want to talk some shit. And talk I some am going to burn you to the fucking ground. So um, have at it, bud. So did you know that you can't have, as a Red Wings fan, uh, every Calder candidate? Did you know as a searching for a new team fan that the person you're about to put up is not a fucking calder candidate uh technically call caulfield is a calder candidate uh because he's calder eligible Mm -hmm. but he's not a candidate well he's pulled himself back into calder contention no he hasn't huge goal streak he's now up there in points per he has one more point in one more game than rem pitlick who's on his team you're wrong. Does Lucas Raymond and baby... Nobody puts baby in a corner. And then that, mm-hmm. that perfect baby boy is Dylan Larkin. Get your fucking handsome hockey podcast metaphors right. Sorry. Does Moritz Seider see people in his rearview mirror all of a sudden? No, because he's a German and he just drives fast. Oof. I love it. The Autobahn has no speed <laughs> limits. And neither does Moritz Seider's Calder candidacy. I'm not trying to discredit Cole Caulfield's last like three weeks. He's He's been really good. But like he's a guy huge, who yeah. a guy who got sent to the minors for sucking should not win the Calder. <laughs> well, okay. Was it him sucking or was it the coach and Both? development process sucking Both. i mean he didn't suck in the playoffs last year and like, so what was what exactly it was the uh, uh outlier are you saying that dominic ducharme did harm i don't know i think he's looking like the player that he has the the potential to be and and had the potential everybody sees yeah for about three weeks congrats similar to how he had it for about three weeks last year, too. Right. <laughs> but this He's is a, on a rebuilding team and with fewer pieces than they had previously. Not a rebuilding Stanley Cup finalist. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> Cole Caulfield's going to be a very good player. Like, I'm not right. saying he sucks. But he, where does he finish in Calder contention? Calder voting. Seventh okay, there or we go. eighth. Yeah. But what about voting? seventh or eighth looking where voters are and and biases and well it's you like see him liking you know, like four it no that would mean he's above michael bunting and anton lundell nah i don't see it happening i'll call it now it's gonna be cider zegris then raymond then caulfield that's cute anyways so <laughs> finally we're gonna end this on 
probably the funniest thing to happen this week. Brady Kachuk has a habit of speaking the truth in the penalty box. Well, in general, but in the tr- in the penalty box as well. Like he's talked about how he's been bitten. Brady Kachuk is the people's hero. So he and Rasmus Ristolainen, he of the newly paid uh, Rasmus Ristolainens, were in the penalty box at the same time. Obviously not together because that would be that would be a real weird NHL rule if they <laughs> there was only one penalty box and everybody had to go in it. That that's actually how you market a, a roller hockey league. It really is. Uh, um, they're yelling at one another, and the camera focuses on it long enough to pick up the following uh you're fucking shit <laughs> uh like there's no unmistaking it that is uh proper international communication happening it's the fuck is understood in pretty much every mm-hmm. language including the like six that rasmus wrestling and probably speaks because <laughs> he grew up in europe i'm a brady kachuk fan i oh, absolutely uh, both Without of them actually i actually really like their dad despite the fact that he scored a ton of goals against the wings <laughs> uh well he scored a bunch of goals against everybody but yeah apparently keith flew up to calgary i think uh for saint patty's day and just like they got like fucked up and went golfing or something and it just it looked like a time yeah that's yeah God bless the Kachucks, America, America's hockey dad. This is a great moment. Uh, hockey needs more of it. They need to stop being such a stodgy old fucker and like let this cool stuff happen more what, often. Yeah, what if in the penalty box you just had the real world road rules interview, one-on-one interview where they just like talk smack, but you can also see the other person. You have a bullhorn. Yeah. He was hooking me. <laughs> yeah. And then well, like the other person's like hooking. That's what your mother does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, you get exactly where I'm going. Just we, give us the pettiest bullshit between two people in the penalty box at one time. I like wish if, if you call one penalty, like you can't really do it. But like if you get two people, they should be able to hit a button in the penalty box that lowers the glass between them. <laughs> And then they can spout off to one another. This is this is how you fix things or how you put hockey on MTV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the rebirth of pro beach hockey. Either or. Cocaine and, and penalty box mischief. That's going to be it for us tonight, folks. Mostly because I'm really fucking tired. It's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, we wrote this script just before we came on today. So if it sucks, well, it joins a number of episodes of ours that are not that good thank you so much for listening everybody you can find us all over the internets handsomehockey.com handsome hockey podcast on instagram at handsome hockey on twitter or handsome hockey pod at gmail.com if you want to email us and if you're still on facebook which most of us are but you know fuck the metaverse uh we have a facebook page thank you so much for listening everybody take care of yourselves get the fuck out of the ukraine and also stay handsome everybody well, I guess I have to get the fuck out of Ukraine now. Yeah. Stop playing Risk. <laughs> Come chat, kid. Reste beau, tout le monde.